Saturday, October 20th. Welcome to Postmarking 24. I'm Scott Southerd. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, the first reason that I'm happy that you're here today is because you're my friend. The second reason that I'm happy that you're here today is because you're a great guy. The third reason that I'm happy that you're here today is because I always bust my ass to make this show great. You're welcome. The fourth reason that I'm, I'm, doing, the, the, I'm uh, doing Big Dave. Oh, yeah, okay. The guy just kept going. I was like, man, how many reasons do you got? And I loved how Dave Batista, when he's talking at SmackDown 1000, pretty much every reason ended with him saying like, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it see, it's so funny because... He Last time he came back It was To straight up booze For his entire run Right Yeah And this time he He comes back He was the martyr Of the Daniel Bryan Right Right But I mean also Even without that Him Coming back As someone who Who hadn't really watched A ton of Batista matches At the time Right Like Yeah we were out We got in Uh huh After Dave got out Yeah And so I think I thought of him As kind of just uh, of a bygone era of that like Vince McMahon muscle worship yeah and you know he comes back and I was just you know I, I don't care about this guy we've got guys like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk now I don't need Dave Batista but he comes back this time and everyone's pumped and he cuts this promo that's vaguely heelish through and through where he's saying you're welcome and he's saying like I know you guys didn't cheer for me but I was always there for you uh-huh. and I was always I always had your backs. Well, it's wild because I think that he got a lot of the kind of the residual where, you know, by the second rock Cena match, everybody was pretty annoyed with the idea of just the rock is coming back to, you know, work WrestleMania. And then he, beats CM Punk just for the purpose of like putting us, you know, he really like threw a big wrench in there to just like make a WrestleMania main event. I think people were like, nobody's going to boo the rock unless he's saving Roman Reigns, the (laughs) Royal Rumble. But, uh, yeah, freaking, I think everybody was like not down with the concept. And then the, Batista comes in and he really spoils the Daniel Bryan thing. And so he just gets all of that. But then when he leaves, he gives us like the absolute perfect gif. And the fact that he left so that he could do a movie that everybody loves. And I mean, if we go through his, his small filmography list, it's all great stuff. He's only picked cool roles in cool movies, which is, I think a huge boon to him. And I think really he's carried himself really well in like, you know, the post. Like, I guess just in that kind of 24-7 like Comic-Con type world where he's talking about wrestling a lot. And I think that he has always done a good job of like, you know, being uh, a supporter of CM Punk mm-hmm. for, you know, a lot of that time, the the time when it's a good thing to support CM Punk. And, you know, he just, like, comes off as a very, like, eh, like, you know, who cares? They didn't like me. That's that's fine. Um, 
it's like I got a I got a a new uh, much hotter girlfriend right now. Like he's in these these freaking franchise movies. Yeah. So it's like you know what's he gonna is he gonna like sit and like talk shit about WWE fans? No, he's like fucking who cares? Whatever. Yeah. I think that people always will attach themselves to that type of attitude. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that that amount of confidence and and the lack of. I don't know. He's, he wasn't, he never whined. I think he portrayed himself as kind of an obstinate voice to the current state of wrestling. He was never afraid to say like, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. You guys are treating definitely. him poorly. And this is going well. But he was also didn't seem to have much of a horse in the race, which makes him almost a, it gives him a more objective status uh, totally. as someone that's been there and no longer needs it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And he, he came back and that, that evolution evolution promo was very good was and so good. very fun. Through I, and through. Uh huh. Um, the like the Triple H shit was just like, oh my god, is that what we're gonna do? I'm fucking into that. Yeah, and it's it's something that he'd talked about publicly before how he wanted a match with Triple H. Yeah, and it. It almost does fall into that same category of The Rock coming back to have a super match at a wrestling, at a WrestleMania or a big event or whatever. But this works, and and the promo itself was long enough and genuine enough that it didn't feel forced. And that match is gonna be fun. It's not. I think it, Triple H's legacy match that he has every year against Batista is great. That's a great idea. That's not taking anything away from anybody. Yeah, and you know, I think that we've also kind of reached a point with Triple H too where he's he he works two types of matches at this point in his career and it's a legacy match or it's like, you know, putting someone over. Mm-hmm. And I think that the legacy matches really do work better like the it's you know obviously a good idea on paper that triple h like finally gets his comeuppance with seth rollins but that match i've never been able to like get into that match you know yeah i remember we were at that show and that was really the the match where the gas was just like everybody was tired in that building and every time i watch that match i feel tired even the times that i've put it on to just be like i've never really given this match uh much and it's still it's so like just lethargic feeling even though it's not yeah i mean it should be very exciting but yeah, it isn't. And I I mean But I, his match with Roman at uh WrestleMania thirty two, obviously it was like a barn burner. Like yeah. I, I love that match. It was a really good I match. I watched that match before you came over. Today? Uh, yeah. Oh. No, no, I, I didn't. Oh. I, that was that, like that would have been a funny thing to watch. I, if you would have watched it. That, that that was the the moment where it was just the I think the first of many times with WWE where it was just like God, I've been here for a long time now, guys. Like, I just want to go home. Yeah, I can't stay here much longer. Which is kind of like where we're at in general. (laughs) Yeah, I think they've expanded that philosophy of the seven-hour show WrestleMania card into a a full 12-month schedule at this point. That's how they're treating us on a (laughs) day-to-day basis. 
and it's draining, man. SmackDown 1000, though, I will say, you know, when I was when I was starting to watch it, I was just kind of thinking back to Raw 1000, thinking about how much was being built around that, how much happened on that show. Um, it's still one of my favorite wrestling shows that's ever happened, just because, you know, it really hit every box that you possibly could there was a fucking wedding on that show the cm punk heel turn happened on that show but smackdown 1000 i'm watching and i'm like god they haven't done really much of anything to build this up and i was so appreciative of it it was kind of nice (laughs) to just be like this is gonna be one of those pageant episodes of wrestling and i do love those i there i didn't watch it live but it's they're one of the few that i will even consider watching live right Right. like i watched raw 25 live Mm -hmm. and i love that shit but i also yeah i didn't need four weeks of build up to it yeah it was like all right we know that there's gonna be uh an evolution segment we know that there's gonna be uh shinsuke uh job into Rey mysterio the fucking United States champion. Yeah. Like, Just so losing okay. to Ray. Has, has anybody... I've, I was thinking about this this week. I wonder what Ray Mysterio's win percentage is compared to other people. He has to have a much higher win percentage than I think than that he everybody. does. I, you know, he really does. And I think that the Ray losses that come to mind are all pretty significant. Um, you know, when Cody Rhodes beat him at WrestleMania 27, it felt like a real big deal for cody sure um but yeah you know i i don't i don't see ray as as a guy that loses often on any sort of like weekly episodic television show i also see ray mysterio as being uh remarkably fit these days yeah he's looking he's looking nice yeah is the shirt off mysterio which is the first time we've seen him with a shirt off on WWE TV in a long time. Dude, because like five years ago, that dude was chubby. Yeah. He was a, he was a he was a chubby little guy. Now he's like fit again. He looks he's great. Wearing tights. That match was good. United yeah. States champion. Rey Mysterio's a very good wrestler. Um, I don't know. That's it's fine. It was it was exciting to see uh Becky fucking no, it was a delight. Smoke edge. And what I thought was so remarkable about that segment was that everybody loves Edge, right? Yeah. And he, he we love him in general because he was a, a great wrestler and a really important performer. Yeah, I got a picture of him as a background on my phone. Yeah, right. Marla's the, there. It's Marla's in the picture. Marla. Uh, but we all love him. And, and he has the added, like pathos of being uh injured and quitting before his time and blah 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 so there's just like a ton of love for this guy out there and becky just says fuck you to him and the crowd eats it up man that is such it's that segment was such a testament to how over becky is right now and how great that entire plot line is, is going it's so it's so good and i think it's one of those moments too where like i I remember watching Deep Blue Sea. We rented it from Blockbuster. And are you familiar with the with the motion picture? Oh, Deep Blue yeah. Sea? Uh, my head is like a shark fin, um, I think is what LL Cool J says in it. Yeah, like he's, uh, he's the cook. He's got that monkey. 
Mm-hmm. I, I would love to just like have a, a character that I could play where just the only person I talk, the only thing that I talk to is the monkey that just hangs out with me. But Samuel L. Jackson is, is giving that speech about like what we got to do to make this happen. I was sitting there watching with my uncle and I was like, it would be so cool if a shark just came up and ate him and immediately that's what happened. Oh yeah. And that's kind of the same, you know, thing that happens when uh, you're watching Becky with edge and he's like saying he's going to leave the ring and, and you think like, Oh man, just say something about like, hurting your neck on the way out and she's like yeah try not to break your neck on the way out so (laughs) so brutal and in from any other heel's mouth would elicit the largest amount of booze kevin owens says that oh it's it's perfect that's a perfect line for kevin owens to say as well and the crowd would boo the hell out of him for some reason somehow we've gotten ourselves into a space that where this is like the biggest thing to cheer. It's the best thing that that she could say. It's it's unbelievable the the way that like it's working right now. You know the like heels versus face dynamic. It's it it's so crazy to think that like you can have you know two people do the exact same thing and it's awesome for one and it's awesome. But it's not like you know. I think one of the one of the big points that shoemaker has kind of like made his career on is the you know his presentation of the hulk hogan versus iron Sheik match where he reverses the roles and says that the iron Sheik does everything that hulk hogan does and and you know oh it turns out that hulk hogan just did all of these things and it's like oh hulk hogan just like attacked this guy out of nowhere and like beat up his his manager and and he's the biggest baby face of all time at that point. But this one, it's like, it's a lot more interesting because it's like, here's someone that's saying something about a beloved uh, superstar who has, for a very real reason, had to leave. And she crosses that line and says something that cuts, you know, both edge the on-screen character but uh adam uh clayton the person and everybody is understanding all of those realities and deciding to cheer yeah we're all behind her when she does it and and like you said i think when you told your uncle it would be cool if a shark ate samuel l jackson right here obviously sam jackson's a good guy in that point in time right like you you want him to do well you want what's best for him and his crew, but also it's sick when a shark comes up and bites him. And when I'm saying that, you know, uh, at 11 years old, it's because I'm watching this scene play out and it's like, okay, well, he's giving like the big motivational speech. This is the part in the movie that I understand, like in the, you know, in this telling, like this is the part where everybody like bands together and they find something out. It's like, no, you know what would be cool because I've never seen this before. Is that's when the shark comes in? Yeah, when it disrupts the narrative in a way that 
not even that you're not expecting but that just breaks traditional norms and it and that moment hits or at least i mean the movie's not very good so it doesn't hit with like the, the exactitude that i think that they were thinking that it would also if, if you if you watch it now like it is a really great uh little example of of cgi uh before it's time because you can watch that and you can watch like the exact point where Samuel Jackson like switches from being the person to the uh the 3D representation of <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson for for like Nintendo 64 that <laughs> just gets like eaten and like flails in a like oh <laughs> help me fellow humans but uh, I I forget where where my point was, but you know that's that sticks in the way that it does because, like, we've just reached a point where we've seen this enough where that's actually like what we want at this point. We're kind of annoyed with the the narrative cycle, right? Right, right. And I think further along on that to push that point further along, I think the thing that we've talked about quite often is how at least I've expressed concern that WWE might not be handling the babyface heel, you know, uh, structures of Charlotte and, and Becky in a way that's going to be, it's going to work out, right? Like who's a babyface and who's a heel in this feud is an interesting dynamic to consider. Right. Right. Like obviously Becky's playing the heel, but she's getting the cheers and Charlotte is playing the babyface and getting the booze. And so in that situation, when that is already at play and the crowd is already like feeling this weird, tenuous nature of, of who's good and who's bad, I love the idea that she just does something that's pure evil and the crowd's like, hell yeah. I mean, I feel, like, I feel like the crowd like reacts more positively because they're trying to express like, we like her. Like mm-hmm, exactly, it doesn't matter, and you know maybe that's maybe that works. Maybe that is the tension that you need uh, to continue to tell these stories at sure. at a point in time where everybody is so aware of what's going on. Uh, what is also going on right now is that we had the evolution segment on smackdown 1000 and we have a pay-per-view coming up called evolution and we just talked about the uh angle that has not only the best uh storyline going the best uh the fan response going to it it is the only angle that has a storyline and a fan uh response going to it really yeah if we're being real if we're being real and i mean we saw so i think the other arguable angle is the ronda and nikki bella right and yeah and that's something we've seen building for a while and we knew it was going to happen and it's happening and it's all well and good i don't have any problems with it but i think for fans to or analysts or, or whoever to delude themselves into the concept that Ronda Rousey making some joke about boning John Cena or whatever about Nikki getting her talent from John Cena or whatever is to pretend that that's nearly as important or, or as powerful or impactful as what's happening in this SmackDown women's feud is, is 
it's delusional. It's not even close. It is. I thought that that was uh, I thought that that was a good talking segment from Rhonda. And you know, I mean, yeah. I guess kind of going back into that like that mode of like, well, this is how things are right now, where you know everybody knows what's going on. Everybody can see that like, oh, the Becca, the the Bellas, and Rhonda are friends now. Well, obviously there's going to be a turn happening at some point. Do you, I mean, is it too much of a stretch to say that like it almost doesn't matter the fact that the actual heel turn happened only a couple weeks ago since we've all known that that was just going to happen anyway? Like, right. is it, are we like allowing enough of that like, underlying like everybody knows what the beat is here it doesn't matter if it you know happens before this pay-per-view or you know with a little bit more time for it to to let itself play out before survivor series i don't know if we're at that point yet but i think it's like worth considering since we are all waiting on it anyway the fact that they waited so long to pull the trigger on it does it really even make a difference yeah i the only time that i think it makes a difference is in the episodes of raw before the turn happens right where we're just like kind of waiting sitting on our hands and i think this is a very comparable feud to something like um the rock and john cena where we know exactly what's happening as soon as the rock shows up on yeah. a television show we know exactly how this is going to go and then at that point it's just frustrating until it happens and right. the match turns out to be pretty good and we're all like fine with it yeah but watching weeks and weeks of television where they're pretending that this is actually a story that they're telling when we already all know the story that's like it's not an interesting thing to watch in any capacity i, I mean yeah and if you look at that match with uh john cena and the miz at wrestlemania the reason that nobody invests in that match is that fucking everybody's just waiting for the rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, um, what's his name? That's on Shoemaker's show. Now the other guy, the comedian, uh, uh Dan St. Germain, Dan St. Germain brought what up. Is, a, is he the king of sad, sad style? style? Yeah. He's not the goof He's not the goof That guy is, overwhelmingly oh uh, terrible this saint germain has gotten better and better i think saint germain is good he kind of he talks about the same things a lot yeah which I, I there's maybe there's somebody out there that's listening and saying that we do the same thing we definitely do um but that's because we're, we're smart friends. we're smart about yeah. it uh-huh exactly we have, we have yeah, it's, we have it's different. big brain it's totally different uh he brought up and may i maybe i brought this up last time that he brought this up a couple weeks ago uh Saying that uh, something like the mega powers would never work in the modern era. Yeah. And that's like, I think what we're seeing them try to do in these situations, they're trying to build these long-term storylines, but as soon as they, as soon as they like start them, we already know how they're ending and we know the major beats in the middle. And it's, that just means it's not interesting it's not compelling television well i mean i think when you look at like what's going on with the shield right now it was it was telegraphed to such an extent that it's it's 
sometimes it's working and then sometimes it's really not working where they've just like just rushed into this thing with Dean so quickly that I mean that could have that could have waited that could have uh, given a little bit more room to breathe and you know I think that like uh, it's interesting comparing the Nikki and Rhonda feud and then what's going on with the shield right now where it's like does Nikki Bella really need to like pretend to be Ronda Rousey's friend for a longer time for a match with Nikki and Ronda to work no does Dean need to like reincorporate himself into the shield for a longer time for a shield breakup narrative to work yeah and there's I think that there's a lot more that you can do with a fully functional and working shield than you can with like, oh, the Bellas and Ronda Rousey right, are because, friends. Yeah, there's only one purpose for that friendship, right? Whereas the shield can do a lot of different. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're that's spot on. The shield thing is like, it's like, it's so back and forth like tiring and also like it has its moments of being okay i thought the end of raw this week was so good because the person walking out on raw is fucking drew mcintyre and like with good reason they're doing so so right by him um and at a time at a time when it is not a good it's not a good time to be a foreign person who had a good run in NXT being on the WWE main roster yeah it's not working out for too many people the, it's amazing what that Drew has been able to overcome the the same predicaments that's that, that are hindering Finn Balor Asuka Shin I mean, Becky's doing okay, but Becky was never top dog in NXT. Right, right. And I I think what makes... I'm only being, like, you know, kind of kidding when I'm saying, like, oh, it's a bad time to be foreign and... Well, no, I think, like, WWE's not doing them right. That's for sure. And I, I I think that Drew... What makes Drew's walking out on, on Raw uh, as the the one on top, what makes that even more satisfying is the fact that he's the only one that I think a lot of people find compelling at this point in that six person feud, right? We're sick of the Dean shit. We were very excited. And I don't want to say that we're just down on all of these people, but I think that we're just tired of the storytelling that's been happening with Dean. And then that just inevitably involves Seth. We're tired of the Roman and Braun feud. We're exhausted by rooting rooting for and being let down by the booking of Dolph. Drew McIntyre is the only one that we can I think pretend to have like real genuine excitement for at this point. Yeah, I think because like we haven't seen where they're going to take him yet. Right. Um I'm a little bit uh cautious of him just being fed to Roman, but you know, I think that there's reasons to be optimistic. I think that they're doing a really good job of protecting him. Even even when, like, and this is, like, kind of where it gets tiring, you know, at the same time that it was 
very good in a certain point. How many times has he wrestled Seth on fucking Monday Night Raw? And mm-hmm. they announced that, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, can't something different happen? Can't can't Seth just wrestle somebody else for the sake of it? Yeah, just have a match. Yeah. I don't see why there couldn't be just a match. And, and if, if you want, like, Drew to, like, insert himself into that match... Then fine, but you sure, know, come in and kick someone. And then I think that's where that's forward. that's kind of one of the things that I think makes it a, as frustrating as it is with the shield stuff is that it's just like, all right, this has happened so quickly, and also they're still in the same feud that they were in when he came back. Mm-hmm. And nothing has moved. This feud has been going on in some capacity for like six months at this point. Dude, and that's tiresome, man. Six months, and also it's not just like what's happening on the main shows, like the main uh, canonical pay-per-views, but it's also what's happening on the new shows, and by the new shows, I mean the super showdowns, you know, your greatest Royal Rumbles, your uh, crown jewels, Oh, sure. These big ones. They're <laughs> yeah, big shows. The family jewels. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, which, it, we'll, we'll get to the, uh, we'll get to the, the WWE situation Twig in Saudi <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pork and beans. <laughs> the main event of, uh, <laughs> so we'll get to the, uh, situation in saudi arabia which i i've always wanted to say the situation in saudi arabia um, so like a war correspondent yeah yeah i'm ted koppel this week <laughs> um but it, it, it's interesting to consider you know we we've kind of entered into this phase where um the course has kind of like shifted a little bit where we you know we, I feel like we spent a lot of time, you know, immersed in, you know, the dialogue around how things are, are going business-wise. Also, looking back a lot, you know, through, uh, you know, the, the Conrad Thompson network, listening to Pritchard talk about, like, how business was done in 1998, listening to Bischoff, and, um, you know, just considering the fact that, the way money was made then is significantly different than the way money is made now. And maybe the same sort of uh, like analysis that people apply to like, Oh, well they, you know, their house show business is down because the TV ratings are down. It's kind of, you're, you're missing a little bit. If you're, th- if you're thinking that those are as meaningful now as they were then. Now we've kind of entered this new phase where we have, these huge shows that are not exactly part of the storyline, but they are enormous revenue builders. And they're also a way to introduce these things that are just kind of happening within, but also outside of the WWE narrative as we're used to it being uh, explained through the episodic TV. Yeah. The, and I think what seemed like it might have been 
purely isolated super show narrative is bleeding into our weekly television, right? We're seeing, I mean, it's a very strange spot to see the undertaker come out on, on Monday night raw and, and SmackDown and, and talk about his feud with triple H and Shawn Michaels. And, and obviously like that's yeah. Carrying between these super shows. But what I think is, is, is more interesting there is that we're watching like these, this story, People that bear away from him, he's ripping the stuffing out of them. We've got, we're, this is this is the Casa de Dogs at this point. We got, we got Medwin here, uh, our guest from Dublin, Ireland, and you know, aside from our our usual participants, Chloe and Lily, who are, uh, they're so used to us doing this thing that they're asleep. But Medwin here is on the couch, just like going after this. He wants to be the star of the show. Ripping the stuffing out of. Hey, why don't you, why don't you sit down now. and chill out, buddy boy? Um, and we're back. Uh, yeah, we've got it. We we. I think that we're we've run into this issue where we have suddenly decided that you know the the greatest Royal Rumble I think was very successful because. Who who was it? Triple H and John Cena just wrestled on it for the fucking hell of it. There was there was a couple there were a couple matches that were in there that were just like put these people at the top of the bill so that we can fill up this uh, fucking stadium. Mm-hmm. And now we've got a storyline that has spanned from one show and now to another. And it's like all of a sudden very clear that this is like an investment. This is an investment in television and to the detriment of many things, but most specifically to evolution, the pay-per-view. A hundred percent. I think I don't, I don't know how much WWE had planned on turning these super shows into canon but now that they clearly are they're overrunning the rest of the product well it's it's pretty fucking ironic the fact that we have uh really put a big stopgap in the progress of uh women's wrestling on WWE because we've given the fucking spotlight to, you know, four men whose combined age is like 213. Yep. It's, and I mean, the fact that evolution could cynically be seen as a uh, preemptive response to the fact that they're having another super show in a place where women aren't allowed. I think that that's a, very realist perspective. Sure, I don't think right, that that's necessarily right. even cynical. And I mean, the, the fact that that is 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 the case, and they're still doing it wrong, is is sad. It's very depressing. So, do you think that they've bit off more than they can chew, or do you think that they have just decided that it's more important? to i mean think about it in 
real terms. You have you have a fucking bazillion dollars that you're making doing these enormous shows and then you have this sort of, you know, regular arena show in the United States. I mean when you when you I think people throw around the term but they book themselves into the corner, but I I think when they've put themselves in a position where they don't have too many avenues to move forward when they've booked Shawn Michaels for a return, it's hard to not treat that like the most important thing that's happening. Uh I mean it we've had it it that's interesting to say though, right? Because it's like Shawn Michaels is the greatest in-ring performer of all time. He's not the greatest money draw of all time, but you don't have to explain why a Shawn Michaels return is important, um, you know, historically. Is it what I want to watch as opposed to, like, <sighs> fucking, you know, Asuka involved in a in a like well-booked singles match versus like literally anybody right um but i guess what i'm what i'm kind of driving at here is that we are looking at it and we're saying like well you've really like shat the bet on this pay-per-view that you booked is that is that maybe narrow thinking when you're looking at uh the fact that Shawn Michaels return is happening at a much larger money maker and like is it kind of absurd to think that that's not more important than this like smaller thing that you know it has more i'd say artistic significance it's much more of a of a of a passion you know what i'm saying yeah i i think it's, it's like nobody nobody's looking at like nobody's looking at the fucking uh you know everything that was happening on the undercard of the attitude era and saying like oh god like you couldn't find a better storyline for uh the headbangers and the uh the oddities than what they're doing god you had you had uh steve blackman beating bradshaw what's going on here guys right get it together right right but I, and it, it's it's also very tough because the Shawn michaels return the Shawn michaels retirement was one of like three sacred things in wrestling right you know there was for the longest time, there's, you know, the taker streak. There's the fact that Shawn Michaels was retired. And, I mean, I don't even know. CM Punk coming back, right? Like, what else is there in professional wrestling that we... That's, you know... It's it's so weird, like, looking at, looking at sacred things. And, like, the... What you're supposed to kind of like spiritually like accept as like you know oh well that should be preserved and the complete subjective nature of anything uh, especially in wrestling especially in wrestling and it comes from 
you know, it comes from sports where, you know, like it's a bummer that Michael Jordan came back and played on the Wizards and his biggest accomplishment there was that they were like an eighth seed in the playoffs one year. Um, you know, the Rocky Marciano retires undefeated and that's like, that's what you talk about with him in wrestling. It's, it's like, we like to think that those things are, you know, real there's a hall of fame even though it's like a hall of fame that's run by a major corporation who's like done a lot to just like change the historical narrative of everything um but there is like something that i i don't even know like how to explain the the feeling that you have towards something that you just like want to stay away because you like it you like the the warmth to that concept that you know Shawn Michaels lost a match to the Undertaker where he said that his career was over and now he's coming back and he's sort of uh taking away that that period at the end of that sentence that match is the retirement match is in many people's eyes the greatest wrestling match ever right no, the one before, the one before it, it is. But I mean, still, I think that there's like that feud, I guess, even, right. is is so easy to consider. Like the gravity of that thing is so huge. The moments. And I think that you look that. at like what they've done too with like also, you know, the, the idea that like Triple H and The Undertaker like really don't have matches that exist before the... WrestleMania 27 and 28 match. Like, they don't talk about the fact that there is a kind of underwhelming WrestleMania match that happened at 17. They, you know... just these two. These two that followed those two. Um, But... And all of those those four matches are predicated on Michaels' retirement and Undertaker's streak, right? Mm -hmm. These two sacred entities in wrestling. And whether or not they matter anymore i don't know if that's even relevant at this point because like they did matter then yeah but like what is what does it fucking mean that it matters you know like when when we get into it like think about your you think about your favorite like artistic movements every artistic movement uh of the past 120 years has been about like breaking free from everything that was held sacred before it modernism uh free jazz punk and 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 now i guess punk it's like i I think about this a lot because now we're sort of in a phase where we have multiple generations of punk music that are held in a high regard simply for the reason that they were that they were big and important then David and I, for the uh, as you were Patreon, we're doing a we're doing a top ten Chicago punk records of all time list because we, we've been talking about Goddamn it all month. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, like where's Goddamn it and all of this? I don't have a record that's on there that happens before 1992, sure. and I sort of love that there's like 
no naked ray gun no articles of faith none of these things that like if i were to put this on an online list like somebody would be like what like what the fuck like no ray gun and it's mm-hmm. like do i want to listen to a naked ray gun record right now like no if sure. i was if i was 10 years older then yeah i probably would but i heard all of the things that did naked ray gun better like 15 years ago but there's an idea of like well you know but it's it's naked Raycon, like they're legendary uh punk band in chicago and you have you know there's iterations of that everywhere where it's right. like who fucking cares when you think about it so totally. who fucking who fucking cares that that sean michael said he was just gonna retire and now he's not like I'm not saying that I don't and that I don't have like that attachment, but it's it's a weird it's a weird thing to consider because I think that I would find I think that there are analogs where you're like you look at something and you're like, No, I don't want them I don't want them to mess with that and then you look at like the exact same thing with different players and you're just like, Oh fuck it, who cares? Tot- I think that's really what the question is here, right? Because Michael Jordan's return to the Wizards didn't do a damn thing to tarnish what he did before right like it was a bummer for like when it was happening and like two years after and then nobody cares he went out of his way to make like himself be the bummer yeah and now he's he's his own thing he's just got like a hitler mustache and he like it's just apparently such an asshole yeah he seems like a prick but you know that doesn't change the bulls dynasty or anything right yeah but i mean you start talking about uh, bands or boxers or whatever people that could have gone out when they I mean, it's like the easiest one to 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 talk about is nirvana i think where it's like cool that band never made bad records and if they would have they'd be on warp tour right now or they'd be at coachella or what you know yeah they'd be showing you know? up at riot riot fest or playing like never mind know, like think about it think about if john lennon was shot in like 1972 like sure so, holy fuck i mean it's it's wild enough but he made some pretty crappy records after the first two but i mean i think like with with lennon it's it's interesting because i think he's almost in the michael jordan category where he made some crappy records but he's not paul mccartney yeah for you sure. know paul uh-huh. mccartney is not john lennon is a legendary uh, paul mccartney is a legendary musician i guess as well but like at this point, he's made more not great music than great music. Do you remember the uh, collaboration between Paul McCartney and Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic, where no. they like wrote two songs together, and everyone was just like, "Wow, <laughs> cool! So Some, somebody just like discovered a drop D tuning." That's just like all it was. It was like it's crazy it's what so you can deep, do, man. <laughs> Well, and, and but I mean that's the thing with with Paul McCartney now he's not Paul McCartney's going to play at the United Center or Wrigley Field or the Allstate Arena in Chicago at some point in the next year or two and I'm certainly not going to go right like I I don't care about that at all even yeah. though the Beatles are the fucking best yeah even and even though too like you know I think that that's an example where you talk to somebody who goes to it somebody who like maybe you might be surprised is like going to a fucking palm totally concert and there's always one or two friends where you're like really yeah and they're just like it was fucking amazing right and and maybe that's also super subjective because i tried very hard to get tickets to the bruce springsteen broadway show uh last week 
and I heard it was a bummer. Yeah, really? Yeah. I would have. I'm like, I have no idea. I would have loved to go. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But like, similarly, that guy. The report with the with Springsteen on Broadway that I've been hearing is that it's it's tough kind of to watch him have to do the same thing every night because oh, sure. so much of of what he does is like just rock going, and roll yeah, spontaneous. just like playing on off the fly and like doing whatever he feels like and yeah, that seems sad he can't do that with a broadway show that makes sense so i think it's like the the way it was told was just like yeah it's it seems like he is at a point where he's bummed that he's he has to do this Signed now. Up for this. Uh-huh. Like you can't like you can't do like two two shows or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you can't do, you know, a, a week with just like, all right, well we got like you know, 120 songs that everybody knows, so we'll just go with it. We here are just the marks. We, this is what we'll just do in between. Hey, I'll, I'll let you know what we want to do. Yeah, but that is really interesting. It's it's such a like it's it, it it's a weird it's a weird like thing it's kind of one of those like you know it when you see it sort of feeling where it's like you know you you don't want to tarnish something but also like everything is like built on tarnishing things but also like who cares if this one is and this one isn't like it doesn't even matter mm-hmm. ali had fucking fights into the 80s and everyone was like oh god this is so sad right um all right but we should, since we're since we're we we only got a little bit of time to talk about it at this point. But WWE has maybe been one of the last, and not even it's it's only held out because we've chose to uh, ignore it if we're still here in 2018. But everything. Has, everything has become very political over the past, uh, I'd say, five years. And now WWE has found themselves in the heat of it with a scheduled event in Saudi Arabia after we have, uh, we pretty much know, the, a uh, descendant, dissident journalist was captured tortured had his body torn apart by uh saudi officials uh now saudi arabia's um confirmed that this guy is dead but said that he like started a fight at the consulate in turkey uh and everybody is just saying like nope not what happened uh we can prove that that's not what happened and as of right now wwe the report is that they the show will go on uh the Meltzer quote was you know unless donald trump tells them not to do it but now that we have this uh confirmation from the saudi government i know that tickets were supposed to go on sale uh a couple already maybe i think it was today um and now they're now their tickets at the gate which you know i think it's safe to read a little bit into that um this is fucking wild it's very weird right because there's 
I don't. I don't know. I don't. There's like a lot of different angles on this thing. There's a lot of different ways you can be viewing it, and I mean, I do think. Obviously, this is a big deal that the Saudi government killed a, a journalist, right? But I think it's silly for us to pretend that this is the biggest thing that's ever, like, the most egregious action this government has taken when they have laws in place that, like, are not allowing women to do anything, yeah. not allowing men to do a lot of things that seem pretty fucking unreasonable and I, you know i don't know if it's like the i don't know if it's like a selection bias phenomenon for me or it's the fact that since we you know have had a like like the beginning of business relations with saudi arabia and they're trying to like do this facelift did you listen to the jonathan jonathan van ness podcast uh titled is saudi arabia cute now it's it's so is it great it's so good it's so informative um really yeah have you listened to his podcast no it's so good it's so good he just brings people on he brings on experts on like you know topics such as that and asks them good questions in the way that only Jonathan Van Ness can ask. Uh, Scott is wearing a really, really lovely JVN sweatshirt that I'm super jealous of. Um, He donated the profits from it to something cool too. He's just a good guy. He's the best. Um, Yeah. So I guess that I, I'm wondering if, you know, it's a, cause I, I go on, I go on Reddit a lot. Reddit is kind of the, it's become sort of my safe, uh, spot for rather than looking at Twitter, I look at Reddit and I don't really read any of the Reddit comments on anything other than like the subreddits that are just like hardcore or personal finance stories or things that are just apolitical. But you know, I see a lot of fucking human rights violations in Saudi Arabia constantly. I don't know if I'm hearing about it more because everyone's like, yo, Saudi Arabia is still fucked up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or it's just the fact that I have now like pinged Saudi Arabia in my brain and I'm just seeing it. But, you know, th- I think that that's what you're saying is obviously very, very true. This is just a like harrowing moment where it's like oh you guys killed a journalist that disagrees with you well now oh and now like everybody has pulled out and john oliver uh did you watch the john oliver segment no i i watched it on accident and i was like i was just watching the show and then it, uh, he started talking about wrestling, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" And then it's just like, "Oh my god, he you know, is shitting on the I, things in a very salient way." I, I think that John Oliver is a smart guy. I think that he's a less funny guy than a lot of the people that have come out of the Daily Show. Um, I think that he. I don't know. I have a, I have an interesting relationship, I think, with the uh, liberal commentators at this point, where I yeah. just I, it, m- mostly associating with any of them makes me unhappy. Anything that's like 
I don't know. I watch Democracy now, and it makes me feel like like I'm doing a good thing when I watch like John Oliver. I, all I just with, with anybody, I guess, with any like political commentator, there's not there's not a single one of them that doesn't become fucking insane after doing it for like 10 years look at bill maher bill maher was like he's a fucking loon he's kind of always been a loon but now he's like an even worse version of an even worse version and same with like same with like hannity same with all they just all like get so into this shit yeah there's a rabbit hole it seems like everybody falls into it's it's because you get really good at like doing a thing i understand that rachel maddow's really good at doing a thing i don't like i don't want to fucking like support rachel maddow for what she does now i don't think she does that much good yeah and same thing with like it's like oh cool like john Aller, you called him donald Trump. it's awesome that he didn't get elected way to go you know, I yeah. just look at it. I look at it all as just being like a, a fucking station wagon covered with like uh, with bumper stickers that say like uh, confuse a Republican. Use logic. Sure. I, I, yeah. And I I after the election, I was super disillusioned with pretty much all Daily Show esque whatever, because I yeah, I think it like quote unquote echo chamber stuff happened. Right. And like everybody thought we were on top of the world and we were all smarter than everybody else. And obviously we weren't, we were all just sucking our own dicks and, you know, like following this, like a lot of that, a lot of those shows, these like comedy politics shows that are progressive or liberal or whatever, the kind of stuff that like we would generally agree with. But I think the way that it's presented is the same thing that Fox News presents to the other side of things. And participating in that is uh, maybe not always helpful. That said, I limit myself generally to watching John Oliver once every three weeks. Yeah. It's I like, mean, I heard, it's a fine dinner I, time. I, I think I, I started to listen to it and then he's just like, you know, it seems that WWE is blank as they are homoerotic. And it's like, that's a gay joke. Like that's not funny. That's, that's true. Also, that's like lowest common denominator joke about wrestling. And you know, I don't think it's cool that you fucking like that you decide to like go for for that for something that's just like sorry is like is homoeroticism wrong? It's a punchline. Yeah, I I don't agree with that. Yeah, that's fucking lazy, and that's like that's still shitty. That's still fucking like derisive comedy. That's still fucking like it, it does something bad to a community. Yeah, I don't know. I don't You're know. totally I, right. I, 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 it does feel like an echo chamber. I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I feel like if if John Oliver is is using you as a punchline uh, for your politics and like that aspect of like, oh, here's like a 45 second sound collage of Michael Cole putting over the city of uh, the country of Saudi Arabia, like. That's not a good look. It's not a good look. Yeah. I, I think more than anything, getting that mainstream attention is the story here, right? That everybody is freaking out a little bit. And and there's a huge spotlight being shown on WWE right now in a way that I always wonder if the spotlight, if when these news stories happen, if it's just because I'm so in tune with anything that happens 
wrestling that like oh did you hear a big story happened about wrestling on real news yeah uh i don't know if that yeah because you don't watch the real news so it's i don't watch real news anyway right it it's like that that shows up at the 40 minute mark of the hour long news broadcast and probably anybody who's watching the news at at that point is just like oh this is the part where they give us like something like lighter yeah this is the, <laughs> this is yeah like the nice little squirrel but, on yeah, water skis yeah piece. i feel that I, I walked by the um there's a capital one uh coffee shop in in lakeview that i walked by and i was like what the fuck is this like do, nice. do i, I live a video do i live under the under a rock like is this a thing that like i'm just finding out about that's like everywhere like i don't know because i only know my like little world of i've read it of wrestling dogs and wrestling deadspin and, 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 and punk and like s- deep dives into single authors that <laughs> don't go anywhere um but yeah it's it's kind of like you're looking at it and I think I look at like the entire uh, attempt at what has been made with Saudi Arabia. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, you really shouldn't like fuck with shady people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny that we've all heard the numbers of how much they're getting paid for each of these shows for 10 full years. And it just seems like that was a clearly Faustian deal from the start. Like that was too good to be true. Yeah. To be, get paid uh, cl- close to $50 million for a show. That seems absurd. That seems completely unrealistic and unsustainable. And like, there's, there's no way that could have gone for right. 10 full years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I never really like considered that aspect of it. Where <laughs> it's like, Oh, just a straight up deal with the devil well that makes a lot of sense how how would that work it's interesting to hear you know the uh jbls and the kevin nash's and the bruce pritchard's of the world are just like if you book the show you should do the show and it's just like i get that but also like they like tore that guy's legs off and yeah you shouldn't do that do that (laughs) i don't know it's 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 fucking wild i guess like more than anything like we'll see how it all plays out i've actually had moments over the like past few days where i want to cancel my subscription i don't know i don't know how like selective that is if it's yeah. like if it's like I if I really wanted to say something I should have canceled it in on when know. Linda McMahon got a uh, office yeah. seat or when uh-huh. the first uh, greatest Royal Rumble occurred that didn't allow women or right you know yeah. there's like it's like now I'm putting my foot down and it's like fuck your foot asshole you know yeah no I totally He's like, is, is it is there is there a, a a place where i cancel my wwe network subscription and don't tell a lot of people about it well i mean i think the argument there would be that it's good if you tell people you do this i think the first time i actually considered it was when aubrey sitterson the guy that just wrote that new 
uh, comic on the history of wrestling. Yeah. That's like fucking rad. It's so good. You should read it. It's uh, he canceled his subscription right after Linda McMahon got a, an office chair uh, in Trump's administration. And that was the first time I'd actually like considered the fact. I think we've all forever had uh, a tacit agreement that like, well, Vince McMahon is an evil human, but he's a great wrestling promoter and I love wrestling too much. And so this is just something that I have agreed is hypocritical that I do. And I don't know. I don't know if it's, I think it's, maybe that's not the right decision or maybe that's worth considering and worth like talking about in open dialogues. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, I wonder if it's, uh, I wonder if it's like, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time that I, uh, don't watch the, uh, super showdowns and things of that. I don't know. Sure. I know. I mean, I think these conversations are good to have. Everything is making me tired. Totally. (laughs) This is what it is. There's so much damn wrestling and there's so much good wrestling. That's not WWE wrestling, which I think is a very interesting we're at a very interesting time and i don't watch all the all these shows that i wish i could watch the you know pwgs and the new japan because i'm watching seven Smackdown. hours of fucking yeah wwe every you're week. not even watching nxt because you're watching i'm watching too much smack you're watching the shield break up and not break up and fight Dolph Ziggler again it's never and I think that's the issue, right? Like WWE's never gonna be the best wrestling around anymore. Yeah. We're at a point where that's not. It needs to be not. the most entertaining though. If that's what it needs to do. And it's not right now. <sighs> well <laughs> Hey. Oh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's 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 sometimes it's just complicated. Um but hey, if you like what we're doing here subscribe to it on apple Podcasts, stitcher uh rate it write a review uh those ratings are helpful you know i'd like i'd like people to know what we got going on in here because i think i think we're i think we're good at this honestly we're okay i think that we've gotten pretty good at at finding our our rhythm with talking about it and also you know just talking like we do pals that we just are. being pals yeah on the mic With a, i think that's like the hardest thing i think is figuring out how to uh talk the way that you do for yourselves and for people that are out there to you know we started in a place where it's just like talking point talking point talking point yeah. and it's like dog like the reason that we do this is because we're we're able to get into impassioned uh arguments about batman or to bring up that part that we really like in deep blue sea <laughs> so uh, we hope that that you're out there and enjoying it and we would invite you to come back next week for postmarktum 25 oh uh, I might not be around for postmark in 25. Why? Because uh, I might be in uh, Dublin, Ireland next week. Uh, all right. Well, you were just in New York. Yeah, the Big Apple. Now I'm going to the... Now you're going to the Big Shamrock. The Big Shamrock. You're going to the Big Guinness. I'm going to drink so many Shamrock shakes. And now you know, you know 
you know what they call shamrock shakes in Ireland though? Shakes? They're just shakes. Uh, but do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese? What do they call it? A pint. Uh, it's because the metric system. Yeah. So, all right. But you're going to be... Fuck. Because we missed last week because you're going to be gone. So, I think... I We're going to be... We will do postmortem we'll twenty five we'll something out. next week. We'll figure something out. Uh, we'll be back, uh, and we invite you to to join us and and maybe to to join along with somebody else. But uh, it's been a pleasure as always spending this time with you, my friend. Uh, all three of these dogs and and all of y'all out there. This has been uh, number twenty four. Come back next week for twenty five. Thanks, folks. When I was a little boy, she had a rat dog, the only dog she'd ever owned. Now she loves me just the way she loved that rat dog, but only now her love has grown.
Nelson Shandaponium at a roach? <laughs> or is it Chilson's Pandemonium Nelson roach? Chilson's Namino da <laughs> Mandaponio Radomunsky, Diamond, Shadrach, me, Shadman. 